Uh, but really, my take home, what I want to say this morning is that Jesus Christ has won the victory. He's won the victory over sin and over death. And because of what he's done, we can have his victory in life. And so what I want to do this morning is kind of explore that in a bit detail, and go into a bit more detail, look at some Bible verses. But really, my take-home message is that we can have the victory of Christ in us because of Jesus. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death for our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'd like to start really by sharing how God gave me this word. Um, now we've been doing a series on the church. You'll notice I'm not talking about the church this, this, this morning. I'm kind of just doing a, a something different. Uh, Tim's going to pick up this series on the church from next week. But for those of you who were there for the, the first talk, um, and he's talking about the church being the body of Christ. He got us to do something a little bit different halfway through his talk. He got us to close our eyes and imagine that we were angels watching on at Calvary, watching what Jesus was going through. And he was kind of used that illustration to kind of make the point that this was God's mysterious plan that was slowly being revealed. And even the angels of heaven didn't know what was going on. Now, I like that sort of thing. My brain is quite pictorial and I like kind of illustrations like that. So it really engaged me. And so I was kind of quite enjoying that. And so, um, but then the next week, or maybe the week after, we were having a time of worship. And as we were singing, we, came, we were singing a song, um, Oh, Praise the Name. I'm sure you all quite know it well. And in it, there's, this, there's a third verse, and it goes like this. It says, Then I won't sing it for you, because I don't have a very good singing voice. But it says this, Then on the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King. And as we were singing that song, God kind of brought me back to that place of imagining you were kind of an angel watching on. And watching the scene of Jesus goes to the cross and he goes to his death and they're looking at it and thinking, as David was praying, David, you've literally stolen half of my sermon by your prayer. Um, they were watching on and going, what is going on? And of course, we have seen multiple films. You see films, they get all the best ideas from the Bible. And of course, you see it, the valiant hero, he goes to fight the battle and he's going there and he's, he looks like he's doing okay and then the enemy... They start to come back at him and it looks like the hero is going to be defeated and he's down out and everyone's looking in and it looks, there's kind of, imagine the hush. And of course the hero, he rises um, from, the, from the kind of, from looking from uh, the defeat and he comes up and he defeats the enemy and he wins the victory and everybody cheers. And you can imagine this is the scene, this is kind of what God brought to my mind. And see in heaven, as Jesus is there, is, is um, he's on the cross and he goes to his death and there's that kind of silence of what is going on. And then God comes and raises Jesus. He resurrects him from the grave and he brings him um, and he does that. And you can imagine the angels going nuts. And I think this, oh, like this song it kind of touches that, that the angels are roaring for Christ the King because he got the victory. And he's won it and he comes through and they're looking like he was defeated. It's that hero, that sort of triumphal hero's welcome, um, sort, of per, um, sort of celebration. So I was thinking like that. Now, the other thing about my brain, as well as being quite pictorial, is also quite analytical. So I then started to, to, to think about this. And I asked the question, I started asking the question, well, where was the victory won? Was it won in Jesus' resurrection? Was that the point 
victory was done. When God raised him up and he came in in power and death and, def- and, and sin had been defeated and he had won it just like God had planned right from the very beginning, was that the moment, was that the point that victory was won on that thing? I don't think it was. Well, was it won in his death of where he paid the ultimate sacrifice for you and me, taking our punishment and dying a criminal's death on the cross? Was that the moment, was that the point that victory was won? Now you're going to go, see, you can see where I'm going with this. The answer is, I don't think so. But finally, what about the cross where he goes and he is the perfect sacrifice, the, the lamb that was slain, as we've been singing about. The lamb that goes there that knew no sin and yet becomes sin for us and takes our sin and it goes on the cross. Was that the point? No. I don't think it was. And so the question is then, where was the victory of Jesus one. I believe it happened the night before. Now, for those of you who are not too familiar with the story, what happens is the day before, Jesus gets his disciples together and he takes them and they, and they go and they have dinner together, which we call the Last Supper. And in there, he talks to them and he shares a lot about what's on his heart. And they have the, they have the communion, the first, the first communion there together. And but in, that moment, but in that point, sorry, and then the story kind of goes on. And that once they finish their meal, he takes them off and he goes to a place uh, called the Garden of Gethsemane. And this, I believe, is where the victory was won in the garden there. You see, we often look at that story, we read about it in the Bible. We kind of look at it from a Sunday school point of view. Because it's kind of quite an interesting story. Jesus goes off to pray and as he goes off to pray, the disciples stay back and are meant to pray for him. Instead, they all fall asleep. And we kind of get caught up in what the disciples doing, were doing. And we forget what Jesus... Oh, I've gone too far. Sorry. There we go. Um, and we forget what Jesus was doing. But really, I believe it was at this point of what Jesus did there, that's where the victory of Jesus was won. Because again, we kind of look at it from the Sunday school point of view. We think Jesus went off to pray. And we kind of think that Jesus got down and went, Dear Lord, will you help me? Amen. But that wasn't what happened at all. Because Jesus, it said that he knew what was going to happen the next day. He knew what was going to happen with the cross. And you see, Jesus goes into the garden and he gets the disciples and says, will you go and pray for me? And he goes off and he gets before the Father and he starts to pray. And we realise it's not just a, a nice little on his knees. He's on his face in agony. It starts off and he tells the disciples, he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. See, he knew that he was going into battle. He knew that he would have to go, what he was going to have to go through. And he knew that was the point that victory was won. And we read about it, and what is this what Jesus says? He says, Father, will you take this away from me? If it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Now, Jesus knew what he was going to go through. He knew that he was going to go and be arrested and accused and mocked and scorned and betrayed by his friends. He knew he was going to be beaten and nailed to the cross. But that wasn't, that was just the start of it. He knew that he was going to have to go to the cross and take on sin. He knew he was going to have to drink the cup of suffering. This is Jesus who had known, who had known no sin, who had never touched, had anything to do with sin at all. Here he was going to have to go to the cross and not just to drink a little bit of it. He was going to have to drink the whole thing. He was going to have to take on sin. He knew he was going to go through it. And he was saying to the Father, Lord, I don't want to do this. Will you take this 
away from me. And worst of all, he knew for the first time ever in eternity, he was going to be cut off from the Father. The Father was going to turn his face from him. And he was saying, I think sometimes we, we think that Jesus was looking forward to the cross. We realize he wasn't. He was crying and praying in agony, Father, will you take this away from me? But the next half of his prayer is where the victory was won. Because what does he say? As he says, I don't want this, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. That is where the victory was won. Because Jesus went there and he said, God, it's about you. It's not about me. I'm going to go. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to go. And you see, and as he goes through this, and as you kind of follow the story, he kind of gets up, goes back to his disciples, and keeps coming back and praying in agony and intensity. And it says it was so um, fervently, in such agony, that the blood vessels in his, in his head were popping. And it said that he was sweating drops of blood. That's somebody who's not just saying, Lord, will you help me? He's really crying out to God. Until finally, having won his victory, he said he stood up. And from that, when you read the story, from that moment on, that's when it all kicks off. But he knew that having won the victory in the garden, of saying, your will be done, not mine, that the victory was his. And he had to go through the cross, and he had to go through death, but those were things he just had to endure to go through. The victory was already won. See, Jesus submits to God. He surrenders himself, and so I'm giving all to you. Lord, you. And so this morning, I want to say, well, what about the victory of Christ? Can we have the victory of Christ in us? And the answer is yes. Yes, we can. We can go for um, But first of all, we have to follow Jesus. We have to follow in, in what he has gone through. And we realise that means we have to go through death. We have to go through, um, through death, the same as Jesus. So we have to go through the cross and we have to go through dying to our old self. And so often as Christians, um, we want to hold on to things. We want to hold on to ourselves. We want to hold on to the things that we are going through. We want to hold on to our sin. But we realise that every single one of us, to come into the victory of Jesus, come into the life of Jesus, we have to go through the cross. We have to come and lay everything of ourselves there. We have to give it all to him. We have to surrender. Just like Jesus said, not, your, not my will, but yours be done. We have to come and say to God, not my will, your will, God. Not my life, your life. Not my way, your way. And when we come to that place of surrender, we can start to go through the cross. We can start to go through death. We realise it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, I put up a, a Bible verse there from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So you have to go through death in order to get his life. You see, we, have the, we, um, we celebrate baptism in this church. And part of the picture of baptism, it's not just about us doing a nice thing of kind of getting dunked under the water, but it's a symbol of death baptism. It's a symbol, of, uh, a symbol of us going under the water and dying and us coming up in the life of Christ. And we have to follow Jesus in his death. And so if we want his victory, we have to come and surrender all to God. As I said, we so often, I think some of us as Christians, we stay in this place 
of the cross and the death. And we want to kind of hold on. We don't want to go through. We don't want to let go of stuff. We want to say, well, this is who I am. This, this thing that I'm suffering, this thing I'm going through, God, I can't, let, I can't let go of that. Or this sin, I'm holding on to it. I can't let go. But we have to. We have to go through the cross. If we want the victory, otherwise we just stay there. We just stay in the place of the cross. We stay in the place of death. And that's not what God's plan is for us. God's plan is for us to go through that, but to come in to life, to come into his life, to come into his victory. Now, I just want to talk about death for a second. appreciate it's not the most positive thing to talk about in church. And I don't want to go too much into detail in this because it's a kind of whole sermon in itself. But if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about death and he talks about the resurrection of life. And you see, when Jesus went through what he did and won that victory, it said not only did he conquer sin, he also conquered death. But you might look among our congregation and might notice there aren't that many 800-year-old Christians here living in the victory of death. Amen. You see that death affects us all, and one day we will all die. And hopefully for, a lot of us, for all of us here, it will be a very long time away. But death will happen. Death has, still has an impact on it. But because what Jesus has done, death's days are numbered. He knows the day that death is going to be defeated. And you see, one day I will die, and it will say on my gravestone, on my plaque, or wherever it is, it will say, Mark Cross, 1985 to 2000 XX, the day I died. And you see, deaths, Jesus has got death's number. He's got a date where he's going to come and wipe it out. And this is what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about how that our earthly bodies are going to die. But Jesus is going to come back in triumph. And, our, and we're going to be resurrected. We'll be given our new bodies that will be completely different to these old bodies, all these aches and pains and the the suffering that we have to go through with these bodies will be given our heavenly bodies. And Jesus is going to come back and it says, uh, and at the end will come and he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every rule, authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. See, Jesus won the victory, but death is still to be defeated. So it's still to be destroyed. And so that's why it still impacts us. But there's going to come a point where Jesus is going to rule and there'll be no more death. Jesus has got that day number. We don't know when it is, but Jesus does. And so for us as Christians, that while we know we're in our physical bodies we're going to die, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear what's going to come next or fear what it might lead to. Or, sorry, or, or just death coming. And I hope for all of us that when that day comes and we're on our deathbed, we cannot be scared, but we can go in in triumph we can celebrate the fact that this is not the end we've got something much better because we know our lord has won the victory over death and when we go through stuff we don't have to be scared or fearful of it because jesus has won the victory and the next point i want to make is where is the real battle in our lives you see jesus knew that the battle he had to win to win victory was in the garden was saying and submitting and surrendering himself to God. He knew that's where it was. It wasn't that he had um, to go and fight the cross and win through the cross and win through death. It's that he knew that if he'd won in the garden, that was it, victory was assured. And for us, I think, who go through struggles, who go through sins, who go through difficulties, sometimes we can feel like it's a daily battle that we go through and then we have to get up and we have to fight and we have to fight and we have to fight and it's difficult and it's so hard at times. And when we go and battle every day, some days we have good days and we win and we're on top of things. And other days we have bad days and we kind of 
get down about and we lose. And this is the problem with battles, is you kind of go with battles and depending on which day it is, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And it could be draining and it could be tiring. And, and we realise all you can win when you're just fighting battles on their own is you can only win or lose the battle. It's not, you not really can potentially win a victory there. So what is important is what goes on before. What goes on before the battle? Now, for those of you who know your military history, Chris, you, you'll, you'll be the expert on this, you'll know that in all the military battles that have been fought, what is the most important thing is what goes on before the battle. What goes on? And, it, and it's not always on the day who's the luckiest, but it goes in which army or which um, nation is the most prepared, who's the, who's the best tactics, the best strategy, the best equipment, the soldiers are the best prepared, they know what's going on. They are the ones who win the victory. Because uh, the, they'll go into the battle and they know what they're going to do. And I heard a really great story about Lord Nelson. Now, we all know who Lord Nelson is. He's somebody who we, this country, celebrate. He's a massive column in the middle of central London at Trafalgar Square because he won the Battle of Trafalgar. But I didn't know this, but apparently, um, when he, as he was approaching that battle, he knew that the French and the Spanish uh, naval forces were much bigger than his. And so he was outmanned, he was outgunned, and he was outshipped. And he knew that if they defeated him, the British Navy would be destroyed and Britain would be open to come and be invaded by the French and the Spanish. And he knew he was the last hope. And if he failed, everything would be lost. And of course, we know the story he won. But do you know how he won the vic where he won the victory? It wasn't on the Battle of Trafalgar. It was what went on before. See, Nelson came up with a radical new naval um, tactic, strategy to win the thing. Now, I won't kind of go into it and bore you. I'm sure Chris will, I can chat about afterwards. But he, he did it, and, he, and by planning it and working out this, this radical new strategy, it meant that when the battle, and he, could tell, he told his captains about it, and they went and implemented it. And when the battle came, they implemented this tactic that was different, that the French and the Spanish didn't know what to do, and basically got completely defeated, and apparently England, uh, the Britain Navy didn't lose one ship because of that. It's because of what Nelson did beforehand in that strategy. Uh, for those of us here who like sport, you'll know it's true. It's not necessarily what goes on on, on, the, on the match day or in the, in the intensity of the, of the, um, the sporting arena. It won't go, it won't, it's what goes on before. Now, we've got some Australians with us. And, of course, we had the cricket test match series between England and Australia, the Ashes. This great in sporting contest. And there was one match in particular that was pretty epic from an English point of view. Maybe not so much from an Australian. And there was a match at Headingley. And it looked like England were going to lose the match. They were down and out. The Australia just needed one wicket. England needed tons of runs. But what happens? A guy called Ben Stokes, he steps up and he does the miraculous and he gets England and he wins the match for them. But again, it wasn't just that he got lucky that day or that he just happened to play really well. For those of you who have read articles about Ben Stokes, Stokes, you'll know he's one of the most dedicated sports persons this country has. He's always off training. He's always off trying to improve, improving, uh, working on his fitness. And so because when the battle comes, when the intensity of your, your literally, if, you're, if you make a mistake, it's all over and you've lost the match. Because he's so well prepared, because he's so fit, he can stand up in the intensity of the pressure and he can win the battle for England. Sorry, Australia. 
but also, obviously, Steve Smith also says he's the most, one of the most dedicated sports people. You see, it's what goes on before, and like in the garden. And I think for us, sometimes, as we go through battles and we go through struggles and we go through difficulties, we get so caught up in what's going on at the front, we realise actually the real victory is to be won in what goes on behind, what goes on before. Now, I know for me, um, recently, in the last couple of years, I've been kind of struggling with, my, with my, the way I've been thinking about certain things and, and had some issues uh, or, or had some struggles with that. And I got so fed up with it. And it was like a daily battle getting up and asking God, God, will you help me with this? I just, I don't want to think like this. Will you help me, Lord? I said, some days you do well, some days you do badly. But what happened was that God brought me to a place of where he showed me that the problem wasn't in my mind, the problem was in my heart. There was something there where I had got disappointed in something that God had given me. And that had outworked itself in my mind. And this is how sin works. It has a root somewhere and it starts to grow out and it starts to get hold of other things. And we can spend the whole time trying to clear that and really we need to clear the root. And this is why we need to know where is the real battle? Where is the victory in our lives over these things that God wants to come and deal with? Because sometimes we can spend the whole time going, God, will you help me with this? And God's saying, well, I'm over there because that's where the problem is and I'm ready to help you over here. Um, but this is where you need to come. And you often find it's in the quiet place. It's not always in the big and, and the noise and, and the, the, the hassle and the stress of the battle. It's often in the quiet place between you and the Father. of Getting down and, and, and getting to the root of it. Just like Jesus had to go to the quiet in the garden on his own and get before the Father. That's where we find often the real battle is. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you're going through some struggles or, you, um, or you're finding things difficult or you've got a sin that just keeps, you feel like you just keep battling it, ask God and, and, and ask God, Lord, Lord, where is the real battle? Lord, where is it you really want? Where is the victory to be had? Where is the, the thing that you want to come and deal with that is going to come and start sorting out those other things? So I know for me, once I, once I came and repented in my heart and got my heart sorted with God, it's not instantly all the other stuff sorted out, but it's, it's got easier. And the thing is, I don't struggle with that anymore because God has won the victory and that then worked itself out in the rest of the battles. As if we just keep fighting and fighting battles, all we'll ever win is battles or lose battles. And God is in the, in the business of dealing in victories. Amen? Amen? And so the last point I want to talk about this morning is where is the power? Uh, we've been seeing that this morning, but it's the power of God. And we know that God had the power to raise Jesus from the dead. And as we sung about this morning about the same power, it says that same power, and as Peter, did you read, you read that Bible, you read that Bible verse? That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in us. You know, this morning we have power. We have power to, um, to break the power of sin. Sorry, we have the power of God to break the power of sin in our lives. Um, you can look at lots of Bible verses. I'll just pick this one from Romans chapter 8. Um, and Romans chapter 8 talks loads about this. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. See, we can be free of the power of sin in our life. Because we often sing about it at church, we often pray about it, we often say it. But do we believe it? Do we believe that sin can have no power over us? 
Now, I'm not saying that you'll never sin or you'll never make a mistake or, or, or you'll, you'll be completely perfect and life will be amazing. That's not what the Bible preaches. But the Bible preaches to say that, yeah, there's times you're going to mess up. But you won't, you don't have to be under the power of sin. And I tell you, man has done so many great inventions and is very sophisticated and very, uh, done lots of amazing things. When you think about our, our iPhones or our phones in our pockets, just how amazing those things are. But you'll notice that man has never, abled, has never been able to conquer sin, has never been able to conquer death. However much money they put into it to try and solve those things, they can't. We realise that Jesus has already done it. And I think man is very good at trying to control sin and, and, and kind of puts some barriers around it and says, well, you can kind of, if you do these certain things, you can control it. And Jesus is not saying this morning that you can come and control your sin. He's saying you can be free of the power of sin because that is one of the victories that he won on the cross that we can be free of it. But you realise it's not in our power, it's in Jesus' power. And so often we can find with things that we can try and battle it in our own strength, and our own might, and our own power, and realise that when we do that, we, we do all right for a while, but then we struggle. We struggle. We need Jesus' power. It's one of the things that, that God had to, taught me through, uh, to teach me through my struggles. It's not about my own strength and trying to sort it out myself. It's about letting him come in and letting his power work in us through having Jesus Christ in us and his spirit filling us to give us the power. You see, we can be free of the power of sin this morning. We can be free and it's part of God's plan. That's why he went to the cross. Not so we can just be people who are slightly better than ourselves or slightly get control over our sin, but we can be completely and utterly free of it. We can come in to his new life and we can have his victory over sin and death. Amen. I want to finish by just reminding us of the verse I put at the beginning. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, right at the end, it says, For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God he, is, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, it's through Jesus, it's through being in him. And it means we need to come to a place of surrender, where we come to the cross and we give God everything. And we say those words, Lord, not my will, but yours be done in my life. You see, when we come and surrender out our life to God, that's when he can really come and to work in us. That's when we can start to find his power and his victory in our lives. And I want to say as well, just remind us that sometimes the battle that we're fighting is not really the battle sometimes God wants us to fight. He's something, there might be something else. I want to encourage you this morning just to, just to go and ask God, say, Lord, where is the victory to be had? Where is the had? And remember, we have the power of God in us through his spirit we can have the power to be free of sin amen and it's because of Jesus it's because what he has done because of who he who he is and having him go into that garden and saying that prayer Lord I don't want this but not your will so not my will but yours be done amen and that's our prayer this morning then I'm not saying this morning your life is going to be perfect and amazing but you, God can work in you and you can know the, uh, the victory over the power of sin and death in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Um.